All right, we are here with Dinos Constantine, COO of Holler Classic Automotive Group. This is Amplify, a retail automotive podcast brought to you by Reuters Events and DeSoto. It's time to make the most innovative voices in retail automotive louder. All right, Dinos, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us. We stole you out of a session a little well, thank bit. Thank you for having me today. So. <laughs> Done that once or twice. Awesome. So Holler uh, is uh, ha- has kind of a, a lot of different uh, parts of your business, right? Because you do have um, some franchise retail stuff, but you have some other um, really unique uh, types of dealerships, correct? Outside of just the franchise side of things. Yes, right? we do have two used car superstars in the group. Right. And uh, tell me a little bit about those. Tell everyone a little bit about those those used. I love car the superstars. word superstore. Yeah. It just makes me feel like I want to go. Well, we embodied down the used car superstore route about fifteen years ago. Uh, we were taking a lot of trades uh, at our stores that we were largely wholesaling. And a lot of those trades still had a tremendous value to our customers. And uh, we deemed it uh, uh, as a good uh, disposition strategy to create a separate channel uh, for those cars that maybe didn't quite fit our franchise retail model. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if you know this about Dinos, but he's always about 15 years ahead of everybody else, Uh. (laughs) or at least in my estimation, (laughs) you know, CRM, data platforms, uh, used car, uh, separate operations that saw a viable opportunity. He's like, oh, driveway. We've been doing this for 15 years, guys. I love that so much. Um, And one of the really unique things that I knew and the reason that I kind of got introduced, not in person, but just in knowledge about Holler Classic was my relationship with Tom Ryan and you all kind of were part of leading the way in the one price one person uh, the, the way of doing business on the sales side uh, back in what 2010 you said 2010 uh, we had one of our general managers raise his hand and talk about uh, a new way of doing business uh, being one price and uh, uh, we started uh, we started exploring that and we implemented it first at our uh, classic Mazda store and shortly thereafter, we rolled it out to the rest of our organization. So we've been a one-price dealer now for 13 years. Awesome. That's before it was cool, by the way. Way yeah. before <laughs> it was cool. So what are some of the learnings that you've had along the way? Um, like, Because that's being an early mover like that is definitely not easy. What have, what's been your learning along the way? And, and maybe if someone was thinking, hey, I may or may not want to do this, what, what, what have you learned that could help them? If they're moving forward, with something well, like I think that. a couple of things that are important is uh, to make sure that your pay plans are aligned with your uh, selling philosophy. So, uh, you know, one of the changes that we had to make shortly thereafter, uh, going to one price, is we had to migrate away from gross-based pay plans for um, our people, whether they be managers or whether they be uh, salespeople. Uh, we looked at price as being uh, dictated by the market, uh, controlled by the general manager, and we allowed our process. Um, our one price process and our uh, uh, selling philosophy to drive our sales and and all we really asked for is for our people to follow that and to drive volume. How has one price evolved for you? You know, 13, 14 years ago, you've you've definitely changed somewhat. Um, How is it different now than it was, you know, say 10 years ago? I think 10 years ago, our one price was much more of a static uh, one price. Um, as uh, as the market in the in the sense that you like put a price on there and it stayed that price for a while. Yeah, the the stickiness of the price was had a much longer shelf life than it has today. Uh, today we got to react react dynamically to changes in supply in the market that can happen very very quickly. 
um, manufacturer incentives. And we also got to be really aware of what's going on as far as incentives are concerned at competitors. Yeah, that's that's a it's it's wild because even probably ten years ago, the data might not have actually presented itself to be available that real time. But now maybe the reality is there that like, hey, we can make decisions in the real time to move that forward. Um, what you know, since there has been a, a historical trajectory on being an early mover on things, what are the things right now that you're trying to solve in the customer experience uh, with the group so that you're prepared or ahead of time in the next two to three years? Well, this is going to sound really, uh, uh, really elementary, but one of the things that we're really struggling with is with as rapidly as we're changing prices, we can't even keep up with restickering our cars. I was that was literally what was in my mind. So wild. That's yeah. where it like makes a case for like a digital a digital price board or something on the car because yeah. just you figure like the guy just makes the round on the lot and by the time he gets to the end of the superstore lot, like he's just got to start at the beginning again. So. Well, and during COVID, one of the even now even through now with uh, cars coming in very very quickly, or, you know, day supply is still tight. Um, you know, a lot of these cars will be sold before we even get to the store and much less being able to sticker them. And in fact, there are times where we may have sold a car two or three weeks ago and the price is actually different today than it was two or three weeks ago. Um, right. So one of the things that we are looking at right now is a migration to QR codes across all of our inventory uh, where the QR code can be scanned and it's, it's dynamically referring to our latest pricing database. Yep, that's great. Which could be the website, could be anything else, but it's like an easy way to get the the price point. One of our salespeople, a number of years ago, we were doing um, we were doing some testimonials, and one of our salespeople said the thing that I love about our pricing system is that whether a customer goes to our website, calls a store, or goes to the, or uh, or uh, makes a phone call, the price that they get is going to be the three out of all three. It's going to be the same across all three channels. That's that's interesting because that's. Like you would think that's the first from the customer, but that's from the employee side. Absolutely. Yeah. How frustrating is that from an employee side? If someone's like, I called or I went to the website and I showed up or they see it on the lot and then they get on the website while they're waiting. Yeah. Right. What yeah. have you seen as the impact? The salesperson's I mean, like, uh, originally, well. you know, you had to change pay plans and now it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. You've probably had, you know, some region, you know, some, some turnover, but also some longevity there. But what have you seen in like the employee engagement with the store and with the group and with retention since moving to a process and a, and a price point thing? Like that? Well, that actually ties. That's actually a very good question. Uh, one of the things that we also did when we migrated to one price is, we focused really heavily on what our mission, vision, and values were for the organization. And uh, our mission uh, is to create loyalty through exceptional customer experiences. And the only way you can create loyalty through exceptional customer experiences is that you not only have the buy-in uh, of your management team, but you have to have the buy-in of your employees, the salespeople, all of your front-line employees, um, in order to make this thing happen. Yeah, because if, if, if you're trying to create loyalty and everybody is not on board or everybody leaves the next month, then how are customers going to be connected to people? You're just not going to make that happen. No, and the yeah. vibe and the energy in the store is, you know, like once you get the momentum going in that way where it's like people are leaving, it's very, very hard to stop. So It is. From, um, you know, you said that the, the shift in pay plan, did you notice or do you notice now that you're able to recruit a whole different class or category of folks into the car business from outside the car business because of it? Yes, we don't typically see a lot of people from within the industry coming to our stores Mm. because of how we pay, but we see a lot of great employees that are coming from other industries and other backgrounds that are really attracted by our hourly sales model and our bonus plans. 
Yeah. What are the, what are some of those industries that you're seeing? Oh, a lot of people coming from the cell phone industry, people that were customer service mm. representatives. Uh, we see a lot of people coming from the hospitality industry, which in Orlando is a very big part of the industry. Um, and one of the things that we've also done from an attractiveness standpoint, particularly for people that are coming from the hospitality industry, is we've actually curtailed our hours a little bit. We started taking a look at when our when our customers shop, right? We started taking a look at how we schedule people, and we tried to get a much better work-life balance for our employees. And since COVID, we've been able to operate being closed on Sundays, which has been a huge boost for all of our employees, knowing right. that they have that guaranteed day off each and every month, each and every week. And that happened during COVID because you started closing. Did you ever close close? No, not in yeah, the state you of were Florida. In Orlando. But you, you started, you closed on Sunday. Yeah, we curtailed our hours. We you know closed a little bit earlier and by 7 p.m. And we've extended our hours just a little bit, yeah. uh, maybe till 8 o'clock. But we're still closed on Sundays with the exception of the last Sunday of the month. Yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, Those from... all sound like great changes. Well, it's, it's decisions on both sides. Because if you only make decisions for employees or only make decisions for customers... Like you're going to lose on one Seesaw's of the is going to get out of balance. It's going to get out of balance. And well, so- that's that's consistent with the vision of the company, right? Yeah. We talked a little bit about our mission, but our vision is to build is to be the most ad- admired automotive retailer in the country. And we look at that from four perspectives. We look at that from the perspective of the customer, the employee, our OEM partners, and our shareholders. Mm. So everything that we try to do, we try to balance, you know, with those four stakeholders in mind. That's a, that's a balancing act for sure. Um, well, Dinos, thank you so much for joining us today. I think like people thinking and looking ahead should be paying attention to what you guys are doing. So thanks for the conversation. Great. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Amplify podcast brought to you by Reuters Events and Asotu. For more engaging episodes like this, subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about our hosts, Paul J. Daly and Cal Mountsier by visiting asotu.com.